Turn in your Bible, please, to Judges chapter 8. And I shall read. I will certainly not be able to preach anywhere near all of the content of these these verses, but I will, in this message, at least read all of them in your presence so that you have the context before your mind. Judges chapter 8, I will read verse 7 and then skip to verse 9 and read through verse 17. Verse 7, and Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he spake unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor, and their hosts with them, about 15,000 men, all that were left of all the hosts of the children of the east, for there fell an 120,000 men that drew sword. And Gideon went up by the way of them that dwell in tents, on the east of Nobah and Jogamah and smote the host for the host was secure and when Zeba and Zalmunna fled he pursued after them and he took the two kings of Midian Zeba and Zalmunna and discomfited all the host and Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up and called a young man of the men of Succoth and inquired of him. And he described unto him the princes of Succoth and the elders thereof, even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thy men that are weary? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars and them with them he taught the men of Succoth. And he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. Turn with me, if you will, please, in your hymn book to number 1130, 1130, 1130. Stand with me, please, and we sing together. (laughs) 
The day of wrath, that dreadful day, when heaven and earth shall pass away, what power shall be the sinner's day? How shall he meet that dreadful day? When shriveling like a parched scroll, the flaming heavens together roll, and louder yet, and yet more dread, resounds the trump that wakes the dead. On that day, that wrathful day, when man to judgment waits from clay, be thou, O Christ, the sinner stay, though heaven and earth shall pass away. Thank you and be seated. No true minister of the gospel that is a man that is worthy of that title can come to the subject contained in our text today without a deep and solemn sense of pain, sorrow, and heaviness. As a novice preacher in my youth, I used to cherish finding texts like these, I cherish declaring the horrors of God's all-consuming vengeance and unrelenting judgment. Finding in these texts opportunity to rail on sinners, which I did, insensitive of passion I delighted to draw blood, as it were, with the glittering blade of God's two-edged sword of wrath. Such in those days for me was an exercise in homiletic performance. And I almost, it was almost a gleeful pleasure. That was then. This is now. My youthful folly, unseasoned by the gravity of mature understanding, left me at that time void of the horror and pain that these truths reveal.
insensitive I was to the appalling realities stored up in God's untempered justice. Nothing could be further from my experience now. I have struggled long, only my wife knows. And I have sorrowed much with an almost dread to open this text to our hearts. But with fear and trepidation, I bring you a message today on this thought. When God sends a teacher, payday will come. Notice with me in verse 7, at the very beginning of this thought, as we start to entertain it, notice that there are many and there are times and there are many causes by which men may think that this truth, that is the truth of God's inevitable judgment, will not come because it tarries. Verse 7, and Gideon said, Therefore, when? Not today. It won't be today. Verse 9, he said to Penuel, When? Not today. It won't be today. It might not be tomorrow. But when? The judgment is tarrying. Surely sinners still in our day reason even as the psalmist described them in Psalm chapter 50. Even to this day sinners continue to reason in this way. In Psalm chapter 50 and verse 16. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant by mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my word behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou contendest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. And then verse 21. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. There be none to deliver. Oh yes, he said, you committed adultery. You joined with the thief. You were partaker. You engaged in all of these things. And I said nothing. 
And because I said nothing, you thought that I was just like you. You thought I would not come. You thought I would not pay. But it's absolutely still what God says to such sinners is recorded in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 28. They are waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper and the right of the needy. Do they not judge? Shall I not visit for these things? Saith the Lord. Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? God said, I will, I will, I will visit for these things. I will avenge it. Meanwhile, he tarries. And oh, this is the danger. This is the danger. This is the grave danger for sinners is that they do not realize the truth. They think God is like themselves. They think he's forgot because he's silent and he will not judge, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Gideon said, when I come, oh, as surely as God reigns, as surely as day follows night and night follows day, God will judge. God will execute vengeance on his enemies. The oracle will come and it will not tarry. And so from this text, from this text, I hope to show you judgment unfolded on three classes of transgressors. Judgment unfolded on the folly, the eternal folly of three fatal errors. Number one, there are those who think to escape God's judgment simply by running away. Verse 10, now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor. What are they doing there? They run there. They were over there in the valley where God performed this miracle and slew thousands. But these, these ran away. You remember, and I'll not read it, but you'll remember it's recorded there in chapter 6, verse 23 and 24. It's recorded that they ran. Sorry, chapter 7, 
verse 23 and 24. They were on the way. This I would like to suggest to you is the first class of transgressor that will be judged. I'd like for you to see from the text the character or the nature of this class of sinner. We know from the scripture here that they are called Midianites. They are Midianites. Their very name suggests to us something of the nature of them. The word means strife. They are a people of strife. Trouble. We would say in our day, they're troublemakers. There are such people. There are such sinners. But secondly, there another characteristic. It's interesting. They are described by various historians in interesting ways. They are called camel-riding nomads. <laughs> Drifting and pillaging as they go. Certainly Israel found it to be so, did they not? For seven years now, Israel has been directly in the path of these camel-riding nomads and their pillaging. Unger said they are a mob formidable for its numbers and its unceasing hunger. They are gatherers of this world's goods without any morals or care for convention, law, or order. They're just roaming the earth, gobbling up everything in their path. Another way of describing them, their character, is that they are worldly in the highest degree. They are utterly void of pure religion. They are despisers of the God of Israel. They are makers of idols which are nothing but little gods fashioned after their own image. Does all of this sound familiar to you this morning? Do you not see in all of this the very culture that is all around us? Surely these sinners have no thought of God or of His law and certainly no thought of His judgments. Bathing themselves in their own lusts and casting off all restraints they feed their fleshly appetites with impunity and laugh to scorn God's little flock even while they rage and rob and pillage. Surely nowhere are they better described than in the words of the psalmist. And these words, might I add, could be said not only of them, but of, a fool, of sinners today. Psalm 14 and verse 1. The fool 
has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone astray. They're all gone together but become filthy. They are none that doeth good. No, not one. What a description. What a description. But in Psalm chapter 10 and verse 3 we read these words. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous <laughs> whom the Lord abhorreth. Boy, that's a description of America today and we bless the covetous. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not Seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. That's the classification of sinners you're looking at when you're looking at the Midianites. His ways are always grievous. His judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all of his enemies, he puffeth at them. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. What a description. What a terrible, terrible description. This classification of sinners feeding on the world, just going along, going through, feeding on the world, satisfying their lusts and their greed with no thought of law, no thought of God, and certainly no thought of judgment. This message was already written when I was reading on yesterday. I was reading a sermon by B.M. Palmer. And he took up his text from John 18.37 where Pilate questioned the Lord and said, Art thou the king then? And Jesus said, Thou sayest, I am a king. To this end was I born, for this cause was I came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. And then Palmer took up in his message this matter of truth. <laughs> I could not let you go without describing to you his words. In taking up this text, he said the age in which Christ appeared was marked by universal skepticism. It is betrayed in the quarrelous challenge of Pilate when he said, what is truth? Which in the midst, which in the mildest interpretation is nothing less than the wail of intellectual disparity at the possibility of even knowing it. He's speaking of that time, that period of Roman rule when Christ entered, but listen at his description and see the comparison. He said men everywhere denied, men everywhere denied the existence of any such thing as truth. Or what amounted to the same, that there were any criteria by which the certainty of truth 
could be established. The possibility of knowledge being denied. Nothing remained of men but opinions carrying with them greater or lesser degrees of probability. And he was derided as a bigot or a fool who committed himself to any positive statements. Are we not there? Are we not there? He said it is difficult to trace. It is not difficult to trace the causes which accomplished this sad result. Polytheism had thoroughly broken down under the weight of its own absurdity. The Roman conquest had brought together in the pantheon the gods of all the nations, and men laughed at the grotesque assemblage of 30,000 divinities dividing amongst themselves all the homage of all of mankind. The profusion of idolatry was absolutely crushing. With the vulgar, religion had degenerated into a vain superstition. Whilst with the highest, higher classes, it gave place to unrestrained mocking and unbelief. In like manner, philosophy had completed its circuit. And failing to answer the questions of the human soul, it had collapsed in the prostration of utter skepticism. It was one proof of the fullness of time when Messiah must appear. That human invention had exhausted alike philosophy and religion. And that in both, the confessed result was nihilism. Nihilism, the belief in absolutely nothing. After centuries of subtle speculation, men went about asking, what is true? And so despaired they of any answer that they paused not long enough to hear the echo of their own solemn question. It is needless to say that this destitution of all faith was followed by an equal destitution in morals. And that's what we're seeing in America. Where there is no criteria for truth, there can be no standard for good. And in the chaos of universal doubt and unbelief, virtue must flounder and perish. And that is exactly where we are in America. That is exactly the kind of sinners that occupy the places of leadership. This class of sinners. Such is the vast extent of their evil and the damning power of their delusion that they think not only that God is not coming, but that God is not. And they have crafted their own safety. Verse 11. Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in tents on the east side of Noba and Jogabah and smote the host. Listen, for the host was secure. Verse 12. 
I said, then their delusion, they have crafted their own safety. So they think. Dr. Gill tells us that these runners, I said this is a class of sinners that think to escape the judgment of God by just running away. Dr. Gill tells us that these runners were convinced that Gideon would never ford those waters of Jordan and far less would he do it in the weariness of this night. Surely their standing now was secure. Whoa, unlike the children of light, these dwell in reprobated darkness and their deeds are only evil continually. But, 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 that blessed apostle to the Gentiles, that blessed apostle to the Gentiles, said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief in the night. Oh, they were secure. So they thought. It was Matthew Henry who said, the very security of sinners often proves their ruin. And dangers are most fatal when they are least feared. Judgment, I said, will come. Listen as Tophar describes these senseless fools as he did. In Job in chapter 20, Job in chapter 20 and verse 4, listen, listen as he describes such senseless fools, this classification of sinners. Job chapter 20 and verse 4, thou knowest, thou knowest thou not this of old since man was placed upon the earth? That the triumphing of the wicked is short. And the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens and his head reach into the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more. Neither shall his place any more behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor. His, his children shall seek to please the poor. And his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth. 
which shall lie down with him in the dust. Oh, think of the picture there. I don't have time this morning, but great messages have been preached. Think about the picture there. The sinner's sins going down with him. Oh, if he could just die and leave it behind, it would be a mercy. But he can't. It's going down with him. You remember that story? Our Lord said, Remember in thy lifetime. Remember Lazarus at the gate, the rich man, and he said to the rich man, Remember, remember thou. Oh, his sins aren't forgotten. They're not gone. They're going with him where he's going. Oh, though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of ash within him, and he has swallowed down riches. He shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of ass. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall he restore and shall not swallow it down according to his substance shall the retribution be and he shall not rejoice therein because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor because he hath violently taken away in house which he builded not. Surely he shall not feed Feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency, he shall be in straits. Volumes in that single phrase. Volumes in that single phrase. In the fullness of his sufficiency. He shall be in straits and every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. Oh, what a description. What a description, Job. Job gave, Job's friend gave. What a description. Judgment. It may tarry, but it will come. Oh, they thought themselves secure. There may be some here. There may be some that hear this somewhere else. You think you're secure. You think you're safe. The Midianites did. Oh, yes, judgment will come. A thousand times, yes, 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 yes. If I had the time, I'd say it. A thousand times, yes, judgment will come. Proverbs 20 and verse 28 said that an unruly witness scorneth judgment. The mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the backs of fools. But did our 15,000 Midianites in our text, did they find it to be so? Let us look. We notice in verse 10 that already, already 120,000 
that drew the sword fell, verse 10. That's an interesting word right there in the Hebrew. The word fell. In the Hebrew, it means to divide, to tear something apart. A hundred and twenty thousand had been torn apart. But verse 12 tells us what happens of these 15,000. Verse 12 tells us he discomfited this host. And if you have a marginal reading in your good old King James Bible, you'll find the word there, terrified. He discomforted them. He terrified them. The Hebrew word literally means to shudder, to quake with terror. But I thought they were secure. So they thought. Did they find out that payday will come? Oh, yes, they certainly did. Because now when we get to that verse 12, they are terrified. Dear old Dr. R.G. Lee, queries concerning Naboth's assassin. He asks this question in that great message, Payday Someday. And by the way, it may have been the exact same question that Israel has been asking now for seven terrible years. Said Dr. Lee in that message at the conclusion of the scene where Naboth has been murdered, Dr. Lee said, Where is God? Where is God? Is it blind that he cannot see? Is it deaf that he cannot hear? Is it dumb that he cannot speak? Is he paralyzed that he cannot move? Where is God? And then he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We'll see. Although he tarried for seven years, these sinners found out he will come. And so will he do to all such sinners. Dr. Lee said in another place, in another message, he said the retributive providence of God, I like that, I like that expression, the retributive providence of God is a reality as certain as the law of gravity. And sin carries in itself the seed of its own fatal penalty. Even Ralph Waldo Emerson had this to say. <laughs> Crime and punishment grow out of one stem. Punishment is a fruit that unsuspected ripens within the flower of the pleasure that concealed it. Cause and effect, means and ends, seed and fruit, 
cannot be severed for the effect already blooms in the cause. The pre-existence in the means, the fruit in the seed. Some unknown poet may have had this very text in his mind when he wrote these words. We don't know the author. But he wrote these words. You'll pay. The knowledge of your acts will weigh heavier on your mind each day. The more you climb, the more you gain, the more you'll feel the nagging strain. Success will cower at the threat of retribution. Fear will fret your peace and bleed you for the debt. Conscience collects from every crook more than the worth of what he took. You only thought you got away, but in the night you'll pay, you'll pay. You only thought you got away. But in the night, you'll pay. You'll pay. Oh, sinner. Could I say to you today that no matter how far you have run, no matter how far you have run, and some have left homes where the Bible was read and the Bible was taught and Christ was honored and they've run away and they've run into skepticism and maybe run even as far as atheism. But I'm telling you this morning that I don't care how far you've run. You're a squatter on God's land. No matter how well you've hidden And oh, how many sinners are hiding this morning. Hiding behind alcohol, drugs, distraction and merriment. Hiding, hiding. They're running to all these things. Hiding from the judgment of God. They're running. But I'm telling you that no matter how far you run or where you're hiding, you're breathing the air that God put into Adam's nostrils. That's God's air. No matter what far country you've allied yourself to, be it paganism, sophistry, idolatry, you name it. No matter what far country you've allied yourself to, you're eating the fruits of His sunshine and rain. No matter what you think you've done to secure your own safety, what, no matter what darkness you've enveloped yourself in or what Jordan you put between yourself and God, you think God will come and terrify your host before it's over. God will come and smite your rebellion. Oh, neither the drunkard in the ditch nor the atheist frocked in the lecture hall. None shall escape. God will come. Payday will come. And the sun will rise up as it did that next morning on this scene in in Judges chapter 8 on these Midianites. One day the sun will rise up on your soul 
dead in the valley of God's sure judgments. God never defaulted on a debt. He never left a bill unpaid. And he said in Romans 12 and 19, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Saith the Lord. Someday. Someday. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains. They ran and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of God. And then John pauses and sets the question, for the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Who indeed? Who indeed shall be able to stand? These Midianites couldn't. This classification of sinners can't. There are sinners who think to escape the judgment of God by simply running. But they can't. Oh, John Newton sometime in the late 1700s wrote these words in his hymn. Day of judgment, day of wonders. Hark the trumpet's awful sound. Louder than a thousand thunders shakes the vast creation round. Oh, how the summons will the sinner's heart confound. At his call, the dead awaken. Rise to life from earth and sea. All the powers of nature shaken by his looks prepare to flee. Careless sinner, careless sinner, what will then become of thee? I ask you this morning, careless sinner, where will you run then? Nowhere left to run. God will melt the heavens and you'll stand before. This is one, just one classification of sinners that find the judgment of God to be sure in this text. God willing, we'll take up another. Turn with me in your hymn book and stand, please.
Sing with me number 1137. The day approaches all my soul. The great decisive day. From the verge of mortal life shall bear thee far away. The day approaches, O oh my soul, the great decisive day, which from the verge of mortal life shall bear thee far away. Another day more awful dawns, and lo, the judge appears. Ye heavens retire before his face, and sink ye darkened stars. Yet does one short preparing hour, one precious hour remain. Roused in my soul with all thy power, nor let it pass. In vain. <laughs> <laughs> 